Welcome to the last episode of Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series 3. Wow, we've come on a journey with Andrew, and this is the big celebration at the end. Matt, Rob are back, and we've got Andrew, and we're talking about how far we've come, what they've learned, what they've implemented, and how it goes. And I cannot believe that we're drawing to the close of Season 3 of the Coaching Series. We started season one with Christina, the photographer. Then we had Jamie, the artist for season two, Andrew, the fitness YouTuber for season three. And boy, have we got something for you starting next Thursday. We've got Keith coming back, who's launching a food truck business. It's going to be something completely new, a completely different journey, completely different learning points, and so much fun. And then I have got so much more for you afterwards. I'm already recording season five, six, seven, and eight. I've had so much fun recording these coaching series and seeing the transformation, the journey, what's happening with people. So enjoy the celebration. Enjoy the final episode of season three of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series. And join us next week for the start of season four with Keith, a food truck business. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to episode 16 in the journey with Andrew and Linda, Callie to the crowd. Welcome back, Andrew, to the show. Alan's always great to be back on the podcast. 100%. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have back with us Rob and Matt. They are back here for the last show to celebrate. How are you, gentlemen? Doing very well, thank you. Well, I was doing well about half hour ago until the uh, catastrophe in the workshop just happened with the epoxy pool, but that's a story for another day. Doing all right otherwise. Doesn't that make for better content? Uh, Yes, it does. So actually, I guess it's a win in some ways, although it costs a bit of money, but never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think this table might have cost a bit more than money. I think it might have cost just sanity by this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I basically live here now. (laughs) I had to Google what an epoxy river table was because I did not know. But the first one on Google for sale is five grand for a black walnut conference table with an epoxy river through the middle. Like they sell for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They do. They do. Yeah. It's definitely a good profit in them if they go well. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Wait, did that make sense to anyone else? That really threw me off. What did you just say? There's good profit in these river tables if they go to plan, but this hasn't. So there's no profit in it, Rob. Right, I'm the stupid one here. Never mind. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, made sense to me. Welcome back, Rob. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I feel like the last time I was here, I spoke at double speed for the entire podcast, and I hope to be a little slower this time. The stress and anxiety that caused me. I don't think I stopped for days speaking at that speed. <laughs> 
it was the episode with the most content ever. Like, I think that's what I entitled it. This episode has more content than three normal episodes. Do not listen to it on twice speed. It will be incomprehensible. <laughs> what it's worth, Rob, I think for that episode, so typically when I speak to you guys, I have my notebook with me and we'll get through about one or two pages in my notebook. My wrist was hurting. and I think I filled up like seven odd pages of notes. I'm glad it was worthwhile. Yeah, loads of value. (laughs) Just a lost voice along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you missed that episode or weren't able to keep up, we have put the notes available on alandonagan.com forward slash YouTube. So you can find the notes. Matt has very kindly expanded on them, made them great. We've got them all there for you so you can find them all there. But as it's the last episode, what I thought would be great to start off with is Andrew... How far have you come? Like, give us an idea of subscribers at the beginning, subscribers at the end, cash at the beginning, cash at the end, sanity at the beginning, sanity at the end. Yeah, how far have you come? Yeah, so a little bit of a picture of where this all started. So I was not actually too far past the beginning of the year. So early 2021, I think the channel sat at about 2,200-odd subscribers in terms of money. I was probably negative 10 quid. I was going to say zero. I was ne- <laughs> negative 10 pounds because I paid for a lapel mic. So I completely broke the bank for that. In terms of where I was, me personally, a lot of it was just on not knowing where to go next, genuinely not knowing what to do. I'd learned a lot by trying stuff out the first year, but hence why I reached out to you, really. Just an understanding of where to go, how to monetize, what to do on YouTube, I had so many ideas floating around in my head. And I also was quite cognizant of the idea that I didn't know what I didn't know, as is extremely evident by a whole load of the feedback that the three of you have given me. (laughs) And yeah, I was just, I was keen to try stuff. And that's where I was. That's where I started. And we're now nine months on. So it's now September, mid-September 2021, which I can't believe it. I'm a full year older and slightly greyer after this process. Where have you got to throughout this process? Like what's changed? So much has changed, but you know, because it happened so gradually, you kind of feel like a, you know, the crab in the boiling pot. It it just, is it crab or frog? Which is it? I think it's frog, but we'll go with whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Any animal in a boiling pot. Something in a boiling pot. I'm sure they all don't realize if it's slow enough. I thought it was lobster. I was lobster. Yeah. Lobster. Yeah. Lobster team for the win. <laughs> I'm not premium enough for lobster. That's why I chose crap. <laughs> but yeah, essentially, as things stand, actually, five minutes ago, I got my 4,300th subscriber. So it's a nice number to cross. Incredible. So that channel growth is showing that people are clearly liking the content. People are clearly getting value from it. In terms of monetization, if you told me in January, the turn of the year, where we'd be in terms of like the sort of money the channel makes on a monthly basis. I'd have laughed in your face. I was on the podcast not too long ago when I told you I'd got my first $100 from YouTube. Now that is very much a regular thing on a monthly basis, a hundred, maybe $150. I crossed $200 in July. That was, I think, my highest month ever, which was absolutely amazing. It's one of those things where I'm conscious that that's something that I just genuinely didn't expect. The The understanding of what the channel is capable of now just feels a lot more limitless. 
and it sounds dumb, like in the grand scheme of things, what's a hundred dollars really? But the idea that now that that's something that I could feasibly achieve is is really, really quite exciting. And actually, if you take a look at the video content itself, so I actually, just before this call, took a look at some of the videos before I spoke to yourselves, Matt and Rob, and some of the more recent videos where a lot of your feedback, (laughs) there was a lot of it. So (laughs) I struggled to do it in (laughs) like the immediate videos after, but since in this whole time we've been speaking, I've had time to actually implement a lot of that feedback and slowly feed it into the sort of videos I make. And the difference in videos is, is huge in terms of video quality that I can see me personally as the video creator. And it's showing in, in the numbers, the way people are watching it, how long people are sticking around for. So yeah, it's, it's just a completely different landscape, really. And it's incredible to see when you look back at it. It's been a fun journey for us. Matt and Rob, this is not what you do full time. Like Rob has a full time job now. That changed since we've been started this. Matt has a full time YouTube channel about woodworking. What's it been like coaching someone or building a YouTube channel? What's the experience of being like working with Andrew and being on this journey with him? I mean, yeah, for me, it's been really fun because it's there's no better way of learning than actually teaching the subjects. And I've learned that with woodworking, doing that, as, uh, teaching kids how to do that. And I've learned a lot of things along the way. And I'm basically doing the same now, but with a more, you know, based around YouTube. So I'm getting a lot from this. I've got a lot from this. So it's, yeah, been really enjoyable. And also just reminding myself on some of the basics as well. One of the funnest parts for me with the YouTube channel was starting it up and I've long craved actually doing it again in a completely different field and not even having my face on it. So there's no, you can't even migrate anyone across. It's always been an urge of mine now that I've got to the point of this being a sustainable thing, hopefully. So being able to vicariously live that through Andrew's channel has been very enjoyable for me. I love that. It's just been like really satisfying as well to analyze and dig deep and sort of realize that there is so much. It's weird. There's so much that any one person can learn from from books, from watching other YouTubers. And both me and Matt, we can give out so much information, probably more information than either of us had realized. But it still makes you realize, yeah, I know this information, but I actually don't utilize it a lot of the time. There's a lot of the stuff like the basic principles of thinking, right, how important is a title? How important is a thumbnail? And we get bogged down by how engrossing is the story of the YouTube video itself, when in reality, no one's ever going to see that if you've made a fundamental mistake to begin with. And just us discussing those basic principles again makes you realize that, oh, yeah, we really need to think about those. I say we. I no longer do anything like that. I just work for Bosch now. So uh, (laughs) life's easy. I don't have to worry about it. No, funnily enough, that's what I do now for Bosch. So that's progressing through there as well. But it truly has been a really fun experience from start to finish. I love that. It is fascinating. So I've, for a decade now, run Rebel Business Schools. And you would not believe how many times during that course I'm delivering content to the audience. And on the inside, I'm going, oh, shit, we should be doing that. Uh, Don't tell anyone. Oh, dear. But on the outside, I'm teaching other people to do it and having these realizations whilst I'm saying the words of this is the work that I need to do as well. And I think there is such a thirst and hunger in the world for the new. Give me the new content. Give me the new stuff. Give me the new way of doing it. Give me all this new stuff. That's the way to get to where I want to get to is new. 
we forget if we actually go back through, like you called it the basics, but I think that does it a disservice calling it the basics. It's the foundation. It's the fundamentals. It's the, it's the actual things that really build a channel, a business, a podcast, whatever they are. These are the things that actually build it. And it's the same no matter what it is. Rob's saying about title of YouTube channel. You could say title of podcast. You could say title of flyer when marketing your business out on the street. Does your title on your flyer grab attention? And it's the fundamentals that no matter what business you're in need to be captured. And I don't care how experienced you are, going through those fundamentals again gives you realizations about your own business, even when you're 10 years in going, oh dear, I really should be doing that. (laughs) Yeah, 100% agree. And do you know what? I'll caveat it in that. Oh no, I've said it again, haven't I? 100%. Oh, there we go. First one of the episode. (laughs) One thing I'll caveat that though is I think if I'd approached you guys from a place of I hadn't had my first video yet, I think your feedback would have been obviously significantly different. What are you doing talking to me? Go and film a video, get it out there. And I think so many people I've seen anyway, whether it's blogs, businesses, YouTube channels, whatever it is, potentially get so bogged down with what's my thumbnail going to look like? What's the title? What am I going to say in the video? What does my lighting look like? And I think all of that is incredibly important. It should not though be the thing that stops you from getting your core product out there. And I know I certainly get hung up about it sometimes. Sometimes I'll finish editing a video and I'll think, not sure whether I want to put it out into the world. My girlfriend is great at just being like, you know what? It's seven o'clock. Just hit publish. <laughs> she she just wants to go to bed, you know. It's interesting because you cannot improve what is not already out there. Like you have to create it and get it out there to then realize you've got to improve it. And getting that version one done is so important. And I'm probably a little bit on the slapdash side because I just need to get it done. I always remember a video by Gary Vaynerchuk and he did it on a flight on his way home on a red eye flight and he's wearing a hoodie. It's dark. He looks like the emperor out of Star (laughs) Trek because his face is white It's dark around him and he's got like his white iPhone headphones that is the sounds. The sound quality isn't great. It's okay. The picture's dreadful, but his message was brilliant. And that video had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views and it was done in his spare time going between places. And I think we quite often care too much about the quality of the lighting And how does my face look in this when actually like getting the message spot on and then working to increase the other elements will help on the way. Matt, Rob, you seem to be smiling and laughing here. Feel like you have something to add to this subject. Well, you know, it's it's, I come on here with my fancy camera, my (laughs) fancy lighting, my fancy microphone. I've done everything and you knock everything that I've done for you. But uh, frustratingly, I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Need all the help you can get. Oh, vicious. I've been muted for the past five minutes. I'm just going to dip in with that. (laughs) But no, it's really, really sort of frustrating to hear that because it's so, so true. And I'm the person who goes out and thinks, right, 
I need the camera, I need the lighting, the microphone needs to sound good. And then I will attempt to create the video. And I've, I've done this so many times in the past with my own attempts at a YouTube channel is I'll start it. My mantra will be, right, I'm going to improve every single time. But the problem is I've overcomplicated it so much at the start, but the duration that it takes to produce a video isn't worth the payoff. And in the end, my message just gets diluted by all of this fancy stuff that I'm trying to do around the side. So when I, again, I haven't had the time to, to keep up with it, but the last time I tried to create a channel or push more video content out on my channel, I just decided, right, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to use my iPhone because if I use anything else, I'm going to slow myself down and it's good enough. The audio's good enough. The video's good enough. Why aren't I just using that to begin with? And I've got just as much success from using all of the other fancy equipment I've got from the video production business. And it's so true. And again, I am stuck in that rut currently at the moment, combination of trying to fit in the time with it. I want to create more videos. I want to get into videos again. I want to start advertising and promoting all of my sort of the music books that I'm producing. But then I'm like, oh, it needs to look so clean. It needs to look so highly produced. And I'm, I'm not sure what angle I should be going with that anymore. But it's, it's so true. Just do it instead of worrying about all the technical side of things. It is incredible. And I guess incredibly, uh, it gives me a bit of a confidence boost, I won't lie, that even happens to you. <laughs> you know, I'm not alone in this. Yeah, it can be so frustrating, but yeah, I just can't let it block you. Yeah, absolutely. So on this particular point, for the people who are listening, who've come on this journey all about YouTube and content creation, I'd love you each to summarize your thoughts on that point. Like speaking directly to the people listening to this, what would you say to them? Me personally, it would have to be around not getting in your own way. I think if I was to summarize it, that would be it. Don't let the idea of everything having to be perfect stop you from, as you say, Alan, getting version one out there. That would be my summary of it. For me, it would be something along the lines of, Whatever you do is better than nothing. So starting off, figuring this isn't going to be a good summary on it. But <laughs> I love something... it. Whatever you do is better than nothing. That's so true. <laughs> something is better than nothing. And with a lot of this stuff, you're laying groundwork and you're practicing, and it's still likely going to work. And in theory, it's going to be exponential. My old videos that were crap are still performing as well as my current videos and have been the engine that have ran the channel ever since. And so, Andrew, some of the videos that you're posting now and the listeners who are hoping to start a channel or something along those lines, the groundwork you lay now will serve you for years to come. So keep that in mind. And that's my summary. I love that. I guess my summary, to go on what, what I had already said, is just make your life as easy as possible. Every step of the way, just if you're going to create a video, create it the best way that you can, but as efficiently as you can, because you don't want to be hung up on it for days or weeks like if you have a passion project fine you, you can work on it for weeks but if you just want to create content and get it out there because you know you've got a message don't worry about making it fancy just make it easy for yourself because if you enjoy the process if it's easy for you to get stuff out there then you're going to do it again and then the more enjoyment you get out of it maybe the more you'll add to it later down the line but you need that enjoyment to begin with. Otherwise, you'll just burn out and fizzle every three months like I did. Well, that's also the challenge is you've got to continuously do this. This podcast almost didn't exist. Right at the start, 
when we were coming with plans of what to do, I looked at all the different ways you could do a podcast and everyone does interview podcasts. There is a reason for that. And the reason is it's easy. (laughs) You get someone else (laughs) on the other end of the computer and you chat to them for an hour, you hit publish, tick, done. The bigger podcasts like NPR, where it's highly edited, it's structured, they have a team of 15 people that edit, create, pull the story together. They're out recording all different elements, different interviews. Like it's phenomenal the amount of work that goes into those things. Unbelievable. And right at the start, a friend at the time, very well-intentioned, was trying to get force me to do all of this podcast live. So to record the entire two-week Rebel Business School live with all the conversations that go along with it, and then take that and edit it into a structured story and a season of the podcast. And I kept saying, how's this going to work? Who's going to edit it? Who's going to pull back to the story? Just listening back to it will take two weeks. If it took me two weeks to deliver it, it'll take me two weeks to listen back to it. Maybe double time I could listen to it in a week, but I'd still need breaks. Who is going to decide on the story? And we actually had some quite heated debates about this because he felt it was the only way I should go. And I felt like it would kill me. And so we recorded a bunch of live stuff at the Charleston event, some of which we used. But actually, who do you think it came down to to listen back to it all? Me. And that was my biggest frog. And that nearly killed me from ever doing season one because it was too big a job. And you just need to find the version that you can do that allows you to produce version one. It's never going to be perfect to start with. It's got to be so that you can do it. Now I'm in, this is the third season of the coaching series and I'm starting to go, okay, what can we do next? How can I build on it? How can I improve? And I'm sure there'll be another version and another version and all sorts of stuff that come from it. But this podcast never would have existed if we'd have actually tried to do all that stuff from the start. It just is impossible. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. One thing I will say though, Alan, is that you tried it. And I think that's a lesson that I've certainly got out of this coaching series. I did try it. Yeah, you you gave it a go, realised it wasn't for you, and then it was job done. And that's something I've seen a lot in this coaching series, whether it's some of the stuff that we A-B tested, some of those went well, some of those didn't. Trying new stuff with filming different video techniques, that stuff has done absolute wonders for my video quality. Thumbnail notes, like Rob gave me a whole load of pointers on, you know, let the image do the talking. And that's actually a lot harder to do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I've tried, you know, to strip the wording out of the thumbnails and let the image do the talking. But where I've seen this most actually was um a while back I was speaking about trying to get some t-shirts or get some clothes with the Cali to the Crowd logo <laughs> on and I was gonna sell it and I was gonna fill up my whole garage and Matt was like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And you know what? I had never tried it. I'd never tried to sell someone a physical t-shirt and Actually, there was a bit of homework that you gave me, Alan, to reach out to some people, find out how they're doing off my mailing list. I did that. And interestingly, one person emailed me back. And through our conversation, he asked for a t-shirt. He asked me to basically give him a t-shirt. This just shows how important it is to try stuff because I have printed two t-shirts, right? Well, three, if you include the one I printed for myself. And on both occasions, it has been such a nightmare 
to actually get that process done. That's just two t-shirts. I don't have a, a website, a sales site, but this was essentially, I, I didn't intend for this to be, but these two sales were my mini experiments. The quality on the first one was terrible. I had to get it reprinted. I had to get it sent back. The size on the other one was fine until he washed it and then it shrank. And it just made me think, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. In my head, I had a line. In my head, I had a clothing line that would rival Versace and Louis Vuitton and whatnot. Two sales in and I've gone, not sure how I feel about that. But because I've tried it, I was in a place where I could comfortably be like, you know what? That goes in a box in the loft. (laughs) <laughs> with the other t-shirts and you know I'll, I'll deal with that another time but actually there's a whole lot of other stuff that I've tried I've tried reaching out to brands and that turned out really great and sometimes you do have to try it but then you also have to know when to like nip it in the bud and go I've tried it given that a go but that's not for me yeah I mean and that's the thing with the t-shirts at least like you're not disregarding merchandise sales completely it's just that method of selling merchandise is not going to work for you but there's still 50 other techniques that you could do to still explore it's just yeah you're not writing off the entire thing it's just little mini experiments within that one area that you could potentially monetize yeah 100 percent 100 percent it's andrew's signature response to any comment anyone ever makes <laughs> only when i agree with them <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you say it to me on everything. I agree with you on a lot of things, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) But otherwise it would just be 10%. 10% I agree with that. 50%. 10%. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I still have aspirations to have a t-shirt for the podcast, mainly because I want to wear it. Like I want to have a t-shirt that I can wear. Matt's got his own t-shirt on now, which is amazing. But it's kind of cool to have your own t-shirt. And I wear everyone else's. Like I wear the Mad Scientist t-shirt. I wear the Mr. Money Mustache t-shirt. I wear all the other FI bloggers and different people. And I love their stuff, love their t-shirts. They also like print one batch and then they never want to do it again. So I'm glad I got it when they did it. But I think, yeah, t-shirts is one of those things that should have been figured out by now. Lots of companies promise they figured it out. But when you try them, I've not found one that can uh, really truly deliver. It's fascinating. I almost want to promote one. I mean, Matt, <laughs> what, what do you think of Printful? I thought that was blooming awesome, that place. Well, yeah, so it's about automating as many things as possible because like you, Andrew, I've tried that technique of shipping to the one and two people who asked and then it was like, oh, I'll just get a big batch of them so I can save myself that effort. No one else wants them, so I've got 50 spare T-shirts laying around. So now it's just set up in a drop shipping thing where it's like, if you want them, it's going to get fulfilled by someone else. It's all automated. I'm staying out of it, but hey, if people want a t-shirt, they can still get one and model for me, I don't know. And they're good quality. And they are good quality. We did experiment with that. We did. Lots of t-shirts were bought. Yes. But that's what I mean by it's like you've tried one thing within this area, which is, funnily enough, the exact same thing that I tried. And (laughs) yeah, you you just eventually you'll you'll want to try it again. You try a different form of doing it. And then you'll chances are you'll probably land up where uh, I'm at with it, where it's drop shipping. And then who knows, maybe a distribution center after that. And a fashion label. Is that printful.com? Printful.com. Yeah, very good. The cost is quite high, so you don't get as much profit from it. But if it keeps one less thing in my head or is you know less stress on me, then I will take it any day, even if it means three pound profit for a t-shirt. 
one happy person, one less thing for me to deal with. Happy days. <laughs> and you can order your own. <laughs> <laughs> and I can order my own. <laughs> That's basically all I want to do is have a T-shirt so that I can order my own and wear my own T-shirts. Yeah, I think that's why we started a podcast. That's the only reason we had one. Well, for for me anyway, I was like, I want a t-shirt, I want a hoodie, I want all the merchandise because this is what people do. <laughs> and again, next to nothing sold. But I bought a lot for myself. <laughs> <laughs> the company made money out of me or I lost money. Well, one way or the other. I feel like that's what everyone does when they launch their business is buy a load of merch, give it all away and then end up the business has cost them money to operate at the start. And it's fascinating. People will do anything to put off sales. Like they <laughs> avoid sales. Let me create a t-shirt because that will help me to sell. No, just skip the t-shirt and sell something. <laughs> yeah, just sell something. Just sell something. <laughs> so Matt and Rob, what have been your biggest sort of learnings through this coaching period for yourself? What have you got out of this? How has it affected you going through this process? Has it changed anything or have you just had fun laughing at Andrew say 100% every time you say something? I mean, there's been a lot of fun along the way. There's no doubt about that. But I tell you what, every single time I've come on this podcast, regardless of the topic, it has motivated me and sort of given me a drive to do something for myself business related so while yes I, I've gone and got myself a, a corporate job in the grand scheme of things I have no intention just bosh close your ears of staying with them long term <gasps> because I want to develop my own business and every time I join you guys for the podcast I'm just like I want to be doing this and throughout this process I've been producing books, I've been building websites and been listening to the stuff I've been saying so that I did it myself in the right way. And it's weird to me because it only takes a few days of not doing something to lose that determination, to lose that sort of moment. But so long as I just get on it straight away, then the ball starts rolling and then the snowball effect starts happening and it goes a long way. So for me, it's really been about just it's a motivational chat really and it's been a lot of fun while doing it yeah if the one thing you get listening to this is motivated to do something that is enough just take that energy and go and do things and one of the top tips building on what rob has said that my wife and i have been experiencing this last week is it's actually quite difficult to get yourself to do the main task you want to do because you wake up you check social media or you read the news or you answer some emails or you do something else and then all of a sudden it's mid-morning and you haven't done what you want to do and it's unbelievable how easy it is to spend all of your day just doing random stuff that never moves you towards your task so if you have been motivated by the podcast by what you're doing then do it before you do anything else like do it before you do anything Make your coffee afterwards as a reward for having done it. Don't check any social media. Don't do anything. Don't shower. Just do the main thing that you want to do and get it done. And it will be amazing how much energy that will give you doing that thing first. And to be fair, this morning I made a coffee and then made the phone call that I needed to do. But I did that thing that I needed to do first thing 
And the really interesting bit is when you've done that thing, first thing, it leads to the second thing, it leads to the third thing, it leads to the energy. Then you get a whole bunch of stuff done. Whereas the other way of doing it is when you read all this random stuff, you connect on these random things and you never actually get to the thing that you really, really need to do. So I'd say to everyone listening to this, it's so easy to put off the thing you know you should be doing. Start with it. Like, start with it. Absolutely. Matt, what do you think? Well, I mean, for me, Alan, this whole thing's just been a great advertising opportunity for my YouTube channel. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Give us that link again, just in case no one got it. <laughs> um, for me... It's mainly just about chatting about this kind of stuff with other like-minded people. For me, the reason I got into this and creating a career out of woodworking is because I wanted to enjoy woodworking without sort of crowbarring myself into an area of it that's more traditionally structured in that you work with clients, you build stuff to the client's needs or whatever. And it's like, it's just not an area that interested me. So I crafted it around what I actually wanted from it. And so being able to chat with people who are doing the same thing, but with their own professions and wanting to maximize the enjoyment and pleasure they get from it and the fulfillment they get from it. It's really enjoyable for me to sort of experience those parallels, even though we are doing completely different things. And um, yeah, I mean, like, what's the point in doing it if you don't enjoy it? Sure, you have days like I've got today where it's just been an utter catastrophe. But (laughs) the net result of that is when it's eventually bloody done four months later, it's still going to be, I hope it's going to be a thing that I look back on and think, you know what, that was actually, I'm hesitating here. I don't think I'm going to say it's fun, but it was, uh, it, was to- it was tolerable, I would say. I'm going to drop you a message around Christmas, Matt, and just ask for a photo of this table. It'll just be, yeah. Oh, yeah, if I last that long. It will be in a fire pit by Christmas. It'll take a picture of a fireplace and it'll say, right, that's where my table went. I just yeah. got an axe to it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's talking about things like that with other like-minded individuals because, yeah, what's the point in doing it if it's not fun? I love that. And it's interesting, in the speaker world, they talk about you need something. So in the speaker world, when you're going out to do public speeches, you're going out to be a professional speaker, a lot of the times the professional speakers are, you've won an Olympic medal, you've climbed a mountain, you are a celebrity, you've lost a leg. Like there's something that's happened that gives you the right to speak about things. And I always remember a couple of the speakers that I knew in the early days were joking, like, I just need something bad to happen. So I have a story. Like I need to like, I don't know, have a car accident, break a leg, something. You should never wish that stuff on yourself. But in a way, stuff going wrong makes you who you are, gives you the stories you have, gives you the value you have to be able to help people. And I genuinely believe that a huge amount of my value on this podcast is because I've messed so many things up. Like I've made all the mistakes you guys are going to make. Hopefully I can help you avoid making the mistakes I've made. And then you can go out and make new mistakes by doing crazy tables or doing weird stuff. And then it's quite exciting. But I'd say to everyone listening out there, your mistakes, the things that go wrong, the adventures you have are the stories are the events that turn you into who you need to be. As long as you do them without the risk of death and going heavily into debt when you're starting a business, you only really stand to gain when these things go wrong and you learn so much through those experiences. 
And if you take a parent looking after their kids, they want to help their kids avoid pain through good reason. Like we don't want them to experience that. We don't want this to happen. But there is a piece that goes, if they never experience the pain, if they never get the learnings, then how are they going to grow into who they want to grow into? How are they going to develop into a person who can overcome adversity, challenge, because the world is going to throw stuff at you? So these simple business experiments that we talk about running will teach you the lessons you need without the risk and without too much debt and without too many problems. Like if you try drop shipping t-shirts and don't like it, or you buy five, try selling them and you don't like it, what have you lost? Maybe 50 bucks, some time. If you buy a thousand like Andrew wanted to, he was hovering over the buy button. You're going to put a lot of money into it. And that's a painful lesson. And then we're here to protect you from doing that and let you try it in a different way. But it's these business experiments that actually turn you into who you want to be. So for those of you listening, everyone here, like do more experiments that could go wrong. Minimize the downside by not borrowing money, by not doing anything stupid. Like if you're doing woodwork like Matt does, wear protective equipment, that's sensible. Minimize the downside, but then get on an experiment because it's actually the experiment that turns you into who you want to be, gives you your value when you're talking to other people and helps you have a nicer life. Yeah. I mean, my biggest pain point was working for Matt and now I'm free from him. It's brilliant. <laughs> I can't believe I delivered that deep message and you've, uh, <laughs> you've removed all the power. I was waiting for so long for a pause. Works both ways. <laughs> I am free too. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> Matt's going to go cry in a corner. It would be interesting. So here's a question for you, gentlemen. What do you think has been one of the most painful experiences you've have had that has taught you something that's actually helped you be successful in life? Like if you can think of something that at the time you're like, this is hideous, but having gone through it, you've got to a point that you go, actually, like I know that was hideous. I would wish it on no one, but it's made me who I am today. I mean, for me, that was the whole reason I started the channel to begin with. It was fueled from pain and loss and all that sort of stuff. And I just diverted that into being constructive rather than destructive. And that's the thing with a lot of this is that if this is a good distraction in a way, like it's, you can use certain things like that to help you build something to get you through it. Or I don't really know where I'm going with this, but that was basically my biggest struggle and it turned into... <laughs> something that has really paid off is what I'm saying. So, yeah. For me, so I actually toyed around with a personal finance YouTube channel not too long ago. I say not too long ago, it was probably about five years ago now. And I just realized that people around me, my circle, they, I don't think a lot of people, well, when I was that age, were ready for that message. And then people that were ready for that message that were older than me, weren't ready to hear it from a 22-year-old, right? So if you're going to be talking about pensions and optimizing your ISO and whatnot, let's be honest, you're not going to probably look at the guy sat in his <laughs> house share in London. At the time, I was living with, like I think, like six other guys in, in London in my little box room. You're not going to listen to it from him, are you? And I was just very conscious that at the time, that didn't feel right. So I nipped it in the bud. I thought, you know, I'm not enjoying this anymore there's not much take up. But 
I actually noticed that people continually ask me about my training. So actually, what's funny is a lot of the people that now ask me about my training also, the training leads on to other stuff. So how did you get the job that you have? How did you afford the house that you bought? And it's led on to conversations that actually relate very well to what I used to talk about in a way that I could have never predicted. You know, so the initial message I kind of wanted to put out in terms of helping people get on board with their finances. Uh, yeah, still, I love fitness. This is very much my core thing. But it's funny how that has ended up actually going full circle and helping some people that I actually have really good relationships with in the finance space. Yeah, I guess for me then, I don't really have a specific definitive moments but I've I've loads of really small ones that I can categorize from being a musician essentially so I I started off learning the piano and I don't believe it was particularly my choice I believe it was my parents choice I I grew up to love it in the end but my pain points came from every time I had to do a performance in front of someone every time I had to play the piano at a public event or play the piano for a grade the same thing when I moved on to other instruments the same thing when I joined a band joined orchestras these I call them painful moments because they were moments that that gave me intense fear and worry and anxiety and panic. And that is a feeling that I've sort of, I've grown to accept because of those pain points. And over time, it's led me to be able to, I believe at least, present better, present more confidently, be more confident in, in what I'm talking about in the moment, just literally it was yesterday. Oh my God, time is flying by. Yesterday, there, there was a, a massive meeting at the company and I had to present multiple slides having only worked there for two and a half months to the, the whole UK team. And everyone else had to do it as well within sort of the core part of the company. And I went ahead and saw all of these people step up in front of a camera and panic and worry and the concern that what they were going to say wasn't going to come out right or they're going to forget their notes. And while I was worried and I had the same anxiety that I knew and had felt from past experiences, I just knew that well, at the end of the day, it's just, you just go up and experience it. It's, not, it's another experience. So just have fun while doing it. And I know I made a mistake at the start and I joked about it and I just went ahead and just, just embraced the whole fact that, yeah, this is something that I'm used to now. So I don't have a fundamental pain point that's made me who I am. But I know from all of these performances, from that first painful moment of having to play the piano in front of someone else, it has literally just grown and grown and grown until the point where I feel like I can sound confident, potentially even when I'm not, which is quite <laughs> quite convenient. It's a useful skill to have because there is a difference between feeling unconfident and not having value. Because quite often the people who have value don't feel confident and they should just deliver it anyway because they will help people. And there is a difference between those two things. So it's actually a very useful skill to be able to get on and do it, even if you're not feeling that confident inside, is a very useful skill. And I guess the general point here is bad stuff will happen. And actually that becomes some of your best stories, your best reference points and your best experiences that give you the power to go out there in the future and build something amazing. And the energy, confidence, and resources you have now come from your past experiences. So do more experiments. (laughs) Try more stuff. See what happens. You never know. 
you never know what's going to happen. So what I would love to sort of wrap this whole season up with, because we're going into the next season coming up now, which no one knows this yet. They're going to find out next week we will be meeting a guy called Keith. He's been on the podcast before and he wants to launch a food cart, a food truck, and it will be the journey of Keith working out what business he's going to do, where he's going to go, finding a food truck, whether he takes it or not, doing his first mini experiments, trying to get the food hygiene certificate from the government to be able to run this thing. Let me tell you, that's an adventure on its own. And it'll be a really interesting next series coming up for you with a completely different type of business. So we had Christina, the photographer, we had Jamie, the artist, we have Andrew, the fitness YouTuber, and now we've got Keith with food and tacos. I'm dying to try them. So that's coming up next. But what I'd love from each and every one of you is what do you want to say to the audience to do next? Because the whole purpose of this podcast is to inspire the people that are listening to be able to build an extraordinary life. And I keep repeating this sentence of the extraordinary belongs to those that create it. So go build something extraordinary. But the whole purpose of this podcast is to do that and to help people. So what I'd like to know is, what do you want to say to the audience that will help them make progress? I'm going to jump on this one first. I've got one. I've got one. (laughs) So the fundamental thing, I think... From my point of view, from from all of the teaching that I've ever done is to give yourself time because it's all well and good being motivated, but you can lose that motivation if you put too much in too early on. If you pace yourself and you give yourself that time to start the ball rolling, to get that momentum, you'll be in a far better place. Literally, it it stems from the piano lessons where I'll say to a, a student, so how much did you practice this week? And I say, well, I did about an hour. I was like, fantastic. When did you do that? Just before you got here. <laughs> Not useful. That's okay. You you might be able to get away with it in the moment, but I can guarantee you, if you had spread that hour, that, that same length of time into divisible chunks within the week, your output would have been double, maybe even triple what you just performed. But it's difficult because, of course, I I was teaching kids a lot of time. They're not going to understand that. But hopefully, no matter what age you are listening to this, just understand that if you pace yourself, if you give yourself smaller chunks to work with, you will last longer and you'll create a better end result. A little bit a day. Mic drop from Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit a day. That's it. My, I guess, overall advice would be to firstly try everything every aspect of the business, whether it's the marketing or the branding or building the website, or if it's building the product or designing the product or whatever, try everything. And then when it comes to actually outsourcing something, because you will get to a point like Rob said, where there is literally no time for anything, you will know what the value is that you're purchasing. I've only just started branching into these areas and it's terrifying. It's weird letting go of things, but I know the value in that. And it's a huge relief when you eventually are able to do that and you're able to let go and you see the burden sort of slowly, you feel the burden release off you. So yeah, try everything. And also while you're doing that, work out how to make it enjoyable. And that's easier said than done because there's nothing fun about building a website. In fact, the easiest way to build a website and make it enjoyable is get Rob to do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey Rob. 
Building websites can be it, fun. Thank you. It can be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it, can, it is quite fun to be honest, but especially when Rob does it. <laughs> but yeah, learn how to make it enjoyable, but just try everything. Try everything. And if you're bad at it, you'll know what the value is that you're um, subcontracting them. Hence why you got me to create the website, because you are so damn awful at it. Precisely. I'd say, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I think it would have to be something along the lines of consistency. I think when I started Cali to the Crowd, I was so certain that, you know, the content I was putting out there was valuable. I was, I was so certain of it, but it was obviously capped by whatever YouTube decided to show people. And that can sometimes be quite disheartening. You feel you've put your best energy out into the world and one view. Who is it? Oh, hi, mum. You know, it can be really, really, be really depressing. And actually, once you prove that even one or two people have seen the content you're putting out, whether it's a blog, a business, a YouTube channel, if a couple of people come back and said, you know what, we really enjoyed this, or even if they haven't said it, but the stats are showing you that people are watching, people are sticking around, you know that those two people, they're, they're a microcosm of the whole world. There are going to be more people out there with this problem. And I don't care how niche something is. If you're fixing a problem for people, people will get value out of it. And if you're consistently putting that value out there, preferably on a regular cadence, people will come. And if you're pushing it, you're marketing it, you're shouting about your message, you're talking about your value, people will be attracted to that. It's something that you cannot get away from. But it takes you almost having that faith and confidence in yourself to go, what I'm talking about, what I'm writing about, what I'm putting out into the world adds value to people. I've just got to make sure I show up every week and do it like clockwork. And as Matt and Rob have already said, make sure you're enjoying it because it will be hard. There'll be some weeks when you don't want to do it. But if you set up systems in place to make it as easy for yourself as possible, it becomes easier. So there you have it go do it and do it every single week because that will be where you improve, learn and make progress. So I'd love to know, what are you most excited about next? So going off the topic of YouTube, business, I don't care what it is. What are you excited about in the future? Let's start with Matt. What are you excited about? What are you going to do next? Where's your head at, your channel at, your heart at? Where are you flying? What are you excited about? Where are you going? Oh, I can basically answer all those in one question. So next year, I'm hoping to get out a van, i.e. turn it into a livable space and basically try and live on the road slash with a permanent workshop premises being here. So I haven't quite figured that out. <laughs> it's somewhat a work in progress in my mind, but the idea is to kit out an entire van and do short stints in the UK, Europe, and just drive sometimes, maybe do some woodworking on the road or teach on the road, something like that, but basically do a whole series on building a van up from scratch and uh, trying to live in it as well. Yes, you can feel the hesitation in my voice, right? But we're going to give it a go. So that's what I'm really excited about (laughs) because it's ticking a lot of boxes for me. It's a big challenge. It's crafting, it's woodworking, and it's a lot of travel. What's not to love, eh? It sounds like a fantastic plan. It really does. So will people be able to see the YouTube videos of you kitting out the van and are you going to sort of chronicle the journey? Yes. Yeah, we'll do probably do a series on it, breaking it series down into... Series don't work very well. I'd suggest doing it as just one singular thing. Just <laughs> multi-part is not going to work. Damn, I forgot who the expert was here. 
but yeah, I'll be doing that. It will be in some sort of series where it is categorized into like insulation and then kitting out and, you know, things like that. And then there might be a occasional vlog or something like that of me trying to do something stupid in it or something. I don't really know. Basically, I just want a van that I can live in. So Sounds brilliant. And if you are listening to this and you have a woodworking space around Europe, contact Matt and tell him because he might well want to come around and use it whilst mm-hmm. he's traveling around in his new van. That is exciting. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and if I can borrow someone's warm bed as well, that would be really appreciated. <laughs> You've got to actually sleep in the van if you do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing the, I mean, the long-term plan is to get a double-decker bus and have a living quarters in the top and a workshop in the bottom and do a Ooh. traveling workshop that way. But wow. that's the vans first. I'm not driving a bus yet. I'd be curious about the old um, health and safety bit you've got to go through with uh, chisels just hanging off a wall as you swing around a corner. they got to catch you first, Rob. Oh, true. <laughs> fit, fit a big enough engine in that, you're, you're sorted. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm going to be running the machines off as well, that same engine. <laughs> in my mind's eye, I see Matt running around with a red London bus with a V12 engine in the back, just like caning it up the yeah. M1. Fast and the Furious woodworking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New channel name. Yeah, I love that, actually. I love that. <laughs> so note that. Write that down. Genuinely yeah. going to write that down. Mm-hmm. I am. It's all about family. And speaking of that, Rob, <laughs> what are you excited about? Wait, what? Family? What, was that a really weird link you just made into Did you just ensure we were family? <laughs> I thought it was a Fast and the Furious reference. It was a Fast and the Furious reference. Uh, that's all they oh. speak about. Every episode of the Fast and Furious is about family. Obviously, if you have to explain a reference, it wasn't worth <laughs> making in the first place. I'm very sorry. I might have only seen the movies once. So <laughs> didn't catch up on that. I, I apologize. Um, well, okay. For me, the future. Yeah, it's really interesting now because as I've got a full-time job but currently feels stable and, and should last me a while. I now have less worry about investing my time into what I really enjoy. So what I'm hoping for is, is because of that job security on the side, I can start really focusing on promotion and marketing of the content that I've produced in the past, being my music books. But it's also going to allow me to have the time after work to say, right, I'm going to sit down, spend an hour, maybe every day, writing a new piece. And by the end of the month, I've got a new book out there with no worry that if it sells, fantastic. But if it doesn't sell, oh, no, I'm, I'm really going to struggle. But because I've got the job on the side, that's going to really help my work-life balance. So that's what I'm looking forward to, just building my business without the stress that I had before. And to be honest, a lot of it was probably unfounded stress because I was doing things in the wrong way. And in hindsight, after having done this podcast, I realized that I could have done stuff in a much better way. But uh, yeah, I think there's going to be quite an interesting future ahead. So I'm looking forward to it. I find it really interesting that you say your full-time employment is your side gig, which is a lovely way to look at it. Gives you the foundation to be able to build other magic from. And lots of people say to me, I need to get out of the full-time employment because it's holding me back. You see it as the security that's pushing you forwards. And I think that's a lovely reframe. So if you're listening to this and you have a full-time job, that should give you the confidence to go out there and do slightly wilder mini experiments, test stuff, try stuff, make things happen because you have the security of full-time employment. 
it's a really interesting way to look at it. And make use of the contacts in that full-time employment. I certainly am. I know that there's a social media team that I can uh, chat to to ask about Facebook advertising and marketing so I don't waste my money as I've done before. So it's like leverage everything you can from it and make your money from it. That's my plan anyway. I love that. Excellent. So before we finish with your answer, Andrew, do you have any final words to say to Matt and Rob on this last podcast? Yeah, guys, I think you knew this was coming, but I was just going to say that, you know what? I hate all the feedback you guys are giving to me. I, I really hate it. It's just <laughs> absolutely been horrible. <laughs> no, joking. Um, honestly, <laughs> yeah, you're fired. Oh, great. <laughs> nah. Honestly, the help that you guys have given me over the last couple of months is when I look back and I see how a lot of that feedback has been implemented gradually over that time. And like I said, if you take a look at some of the more recent videos versus maybe the ones earlier in the year and you compare them side by side, the the uplift in how I'm able to deliver my content, it really does come across. Even the, the feedback about the banner. You know, people were landing on the on the page and not knowing what calisthenics was once upon a time. And I was just assuming, <laughs> yeah, everyone knows calisthenics. Even though I know myself, I speak to people, they don't know how to say calisthenics. Sometimes you've got to hear it back from people for you to understand what is actually quite blatantly in your face obvious. And so much of the feedback you guys have given has been so valuable. So just an absolute thank you, really all the feedback you guys are given taking the time out of your day to do it it really is beneficial and actually to yourself alan thank you for giving us a, the platform to do it don't don't look at me like that you you know you've been awesome and yeah just an absolute thank you for for having me here really i didn't expect when i dropped you that email however long ago it was that this would turn into a what was it a 16 part series a 16-part series, but we know series don't work, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> Scrap it now. Scrap it now. Delete everything. Yeah, the key is everyone should listen to all these 16 episodes as one big, massive podcast. Just <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure for us, mate. I mean, and yeah, you've been a great recipient of it. And also, Alan, thank you for uh, being able to tie together all the rubbish that we've been saying into some sort of succinct message at the end. I mean, I'm constantly blown away by how you've managed to do that. <laughs> my key skill in life is taking the complex and tying it together into one message to help people make progress that's one of my one of my skills but yeah thank you from the audience as well because i know that people have got like just from the first couple of episodes as we record this the first couple with andrew have come out i know people have had lots of value from the episodes so thank you from the audience for your energy and effort matt and rob and if you're listening to this, please do check out Matt's YouTube channel. You'll get some great stuff. And there'll also be some videos about a river table that may or may not exist, but there will definitely be some videos about it. I'm sure he's pulling a face of like, oh, no, uh, <laughs> they make the best videos. It's got to go wrong at some stage. Every movie has a second act right at the end where it goes wrong. It needs to for it to be <laughs> a good story. And Rob, if people want to find out more about you and your music, where do they go? Well, hopefully the website's still live, but this is giving me a good deadline to sort it out. Robspianolessons.com. I love it. So check out robspianolessons.com. I'm going to buy that domain name now. <laughs> uh, uh, He's no, logging on. I can it. see him typing. I've already got it. Thank you very much. No, no, there's a website there. Uh, I'll have you know it's made on Wix. I'm quite proud of that. And um, 
Buy my books, Matt. Learn to play the piano. You bought one for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final piece of the show to wrap up, Andrew, where are you going next with this? What are you going to take all this information, knowledge and energy? Where are you headed next? Well, a lot of the feedback's actually already been implemented. And where I'm at is that it's a little bit of a crossroads, really. I'm not in too dissimilar of a place to Rob, really. I'm in a place where I'm really happy with the content I'm putting out. I've got the security of my job, which I enjoy and allows me to do what I want to do. And there's actually, quite fortunately, got me to a place where I'm like three years out from FI. I feel really, really confident with where I'm at. And I think the part I'm going to double down on and the part that I've certainly been seeing a lot of success in outside of YouTube is working with brands, which is funny because dealing with brand relationships and working on that side of things is part of my day job. So it's a part of my day job that can actually take and derive a lot of value in the aspect of my life where I feel I get the most energy, Cali, to the crowd. So working with the brands that I'm working with, the sort of things that used to cause me fear once upon a time, emailing people and chatting to people on the phone is now the sort of thing that I do on a weekly basis, you know, talking about what companies want to see from the content we're putting out. And I'm really enjoying that. And I can see that growing. And it's actually hour per hour is where I get the most money. So like selfishly, it's actually really great for building the business too. So yeah, that's going to be where I double down going into the latter half of the year and I'm loving it I really am loving it and I have no idea where I'm going to be in a year's time because if you told me a year ago I'd be here I'd have laughed at you so I have no idea where I'm going to be in a year's time and yeah just really really enjoying it will you come back and tell us how you're getting on no this is the last time you're going to see me (laughs) (laughs) of course I I will be back you you know I love any excuse to be on on this podcast island so yeah 100%. 100%. There's the last one. 100 <laughs> <laughs> I had to close with one last one. You have to close with the last 100%. And the final thought for everyone listening to this to sort of bring this together, you know by now the theme of the podcast. If I could summarize it, it would be run more mini experiments faster. Reduce the risk test more things, put more things out into the world and run more mini experiments faster. Some of them will work. Some of them will fail spectacularly. And that's to be celebrated because those failures, if you take them well, if you learn from them, end up making you stronger and who you actually are. So run more mini experiments, fail fast, fail cheap, get it done quickly. And if you consistently push forwards every single day, every single week. It is unbelievable what you can build and create. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. So stop listening to us and start creating. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself be a rebel entrepreneur.